Hit it, hit it, hit it. John Pop. Man, we were jamming out before starting production. I, John, I wish I wish they could all be here to see it happen. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> John's always regaling us with stories. He's been in the conservative fight for a long time, and he's always got the right story at the right time. But anyway, I was, I was looking uh, through show preparation things, and I came across several articles talking about why it's important, John, to leave comments and rate the show that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was like, well, okay, well, why is it important? I always say it's because it helps position us better in ratings and things like that. But the most important thing that I saw was because it helps people understand what we're about and what they will expect to hear if they listen to it. So I would love it if all of you would go rate us five stars if you like the show. If you don't like the show, you can give us an honest rating. That's fine. But we love to we love to read the comments. We love to see the ratings. And if you want to email us, you can hit us up at managingeditor at heritage.org. You can go ahead and do it now before the show starts. But other than that, Johnny or John Pop, start the show. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. The Heritage Foundation recently announced a set of strategic policy priorities. Now, these are the big issues, the ones that will form the roadmap for conservatives over the next three years. Now, hear this list and see if it doesn't resonate. You ready? School choice, big tech, China, inflation, abortion, immigration, and election integrity. One of the biggest complaints we hear when we travel all around the U.S. is that Washington, D.C. is out of touch with America. It's not the real world. We hear all the time about longing for bipartisan solutions to our major issues, especially the ones listed above. But the media narrative is that we are a divided nation that can't agree on anything. Is that true? Do you know about Heritage Action for America? They lobby for and track throughout D.C. and the states conservative policy solutions that the Heritage Foundation produces. They are the action that helps turn conservative ideas into law. Now, they recently conducted in-depth polling on the policy issues above, and we found one key thing in particular. A stunning bipartisan majority of Americans agree on way more than the mainstream media lets us know. So this week, Heritage Action Communications Director Noah Weinrich joins us to break down the polling numbers and explains why heritage priorities are America's priorities. The good stuff happens right after this. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, The Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. 
Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. Noah from Heritage Action, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now, we are talking about these seven issues, these seven key priority issues that we have as Heritage. And and I was struck by, you know, the, the, the polling that you guys have done, which is really helpful because it, it allows us to see, you know, as an organization, we say we're going to focus on these. These are important. But then it gives us an insight into where Americans are on these issues. It's it's a really it's a really interesting contrast, I think. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't want to be led by polling as too many people in DC are, but huh. we want to make sure that we know what the country is thinking about, what they think of our policies, where we are in agreement, where we have work to do. Um, and, you know, we are confident that our policies are backed up by the American people. Yeah. Um, the American people get it. They know that, you know, there's a crisis on the border. They are concerned about inflation. They get it. Hmm. Um, too many DC elites are out of touch with the people. Um, and we think that, you know, our priorities align with the vision that most Americans want. It's amazing. You say that the D.C. elites thing, and I think that that is exactly what I want um, our audience to keep in mind as we do this interview. You know, let's remember this isn't a curated thing that D.C. is using to try and shape opinion. You know, right. Rush Limbaugh always used to talk about we want to do polls reflect opinion or are they intended to shape opinion? Right. And, and it does us no good to use this poll to shape opinion. So so we tried to get in uh, into the deep um, um, data uh, that reflect people's views here in America. So if, if you wouldn't mind, I want to just go issue by issue. Yeah. And, um, and you know, this isn't Democrat versus Republican. This is, I, I don't think so. But I'll right. have you explain kind of just how uh, the divides go here. So let's just go issue by issue. Give me the top lines and outliers for each of them. We're going to start with school choice. Great. Um, I saw what I took away was people are open to it. Um, but then there's also a contrast with the union. So so debunk that a little bit. Right, right. So what we see in school choice, when we ask about school choice, when we talk about school choice, um, some parents don't know what it is. Um, some people have misconceptions about it. Um, some people buy into what the left says. Um, but we wanted to see what people truly think about school choice. So we didn't ask just, uh, you know, do you like school choice? Or um, do you think parents should have a role in their kids' education, which obviously most people are going to agree with. We wanted to pit the uh, you know the best conservative argument against uh, what the left believes is their best argument. So we asked, some people say that parents of school-aged children should have a role in deciding what is taught in public schools. We also asked, other people say that teachers and education experts, not parents, should decide what children learn in our public schools. So we asked respondents to choose between the two. Hmm. Um, and 50% of respondents said that parents should have a role. Only 33% said that experts should be, or teachers should be the ones driving what's taught in schools. Hmm. So, you know, this isn't overwhelming, but it is decisive. It's so it so it lends to the whole debate that, that we see happening on talk radio and on MSNBC saying, oh, these parents are saying they should be the ones in charge and, and, and take that power away from the teachers. That, that, that's kind of what we're lending to right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And when you look into the poll, you know, 
parents of school aged children are more likely to believe that parents should have the deciding role. Okay. You know, it, it's easy for somebody, uh, a congressional staffer in D.C. who doesn't have any kids, should, who <laughs> says that experts should say what's happening in schools. Yeah. But by and large, we see parents want parents to have a role. Americans want Americans and parents to decide what's happening in their schools. What about uh, on an issue like uh, critical race theory? I mean, that was a huge issue. I mean, an election here in uh, here in Virginia, close by, was basically decided right. on that. What what? How is that being reflected? Right. So, critical race theory is a big driver of this. We've seen critical race theory become really politicized. Um, you see uh, across a lot of polls, people are kind of split on critical race theory mm. um, because you know the mainstream media and the left says that. Critical race theory is a, a panic and that it's not being taught in public schools. They say that, you know, the right is saying, um, oh, we don't want to teach history, which, of mm. course, is false. Um, but what we see is that uh, once you educate people about what critical race theory is, how terrible it is, you know, we've done focus groups in Georgia, um, suburban families, black voters, et cetera. Once you educate them about mm. what critical race theory is, how divisive it is, people swing the other way and they say, oh, I didn't realize – how bad critical race theory is. That's and you see just huge margins of people opposing critical race theory. They don't want it in their schools. They believe in the American dream, not dividing students based on their skin color. So, so even though the polling shows we're divided on that issue in particular, we see that if we educate, right. which is our job, right. then people are going to come along to realize how damaging critical race theory is. Okay, yeah, exactly. That's great. Let's let's move on to the next issue that we talked about, which was, of course, big tech. And I'm going to tell you, you know, when I looked at these numbers, I saw that we picked an issue yeah. that that um, for whatever reason, whether we agree or concur, uh, which means to agree, but for a different yeah, reason. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, it seems like across the political spectrum, we we're aligned pretty well. Give us give us some top liners on big tech. Yeah, so big tech is one of these issues um, that there's broad bipartisan, nonpartisan support for. Hmm. Um, a wide majority of Americans, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, liberals, moderates, conservatives, everywhere across the country, people recognize. Big tech is a problem. Um, 65% of Americans believe that uh, Congress has done a poor job of regulating these companies. Um, and the numbers are really sky high when you get into the details. 82% of Americans believe big tech companies have too much power over their platforms and have used it to expand their control of the public debate and shape our politics. Yeah. That's 82%. That's so, insane. I mean, you, it's it's tough to find numbers like these on any issue. This is a majority of Democrats, majority of Republicans, majority of conservatives, liberals. They all recognize big tech has too much power and it's using it to shape the political discourse. Well, well then let me ask you then. I mean, so and, and we're not here to necessarily talk in depth about solutions, but yeah. but we asked about it and I'm curious is what how how are we seeing it? Are we seeing people saying, "Well, we need to break them up. We need to use antitrust to break them up or or we need to pass laws through Congress or how, what how are people responding to how we fix this problem?" Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um on newer issues like this, yeah. you know, issues that have really popped up in the last uh, few years, you see people who know that big tech is a problem, but they may not know what the solution is. Hmm. Or there may be more divisions on exactly what the solution is. Hmm. So there's broad agreement. 86% agree that uh, we need Section 230 reform. Oh. Um, if you're not familiar, that means um, this is the question we asked. Big tech companies should be held liable under the same laws as newspapers for false information published on their platforms. Yeah, 
Yeah. Common yeah. sense solution. And we've talked about 230 on the podcast before. It just basically provides a shield for these big tech companies to, you know, basically either put up or remove any kind of content um, that they see fit. Yeah. And and that's a huge protection. It's a, it's a very big thing. And so yeah. it's interesting that, that, that we went with that. Yeah. Any other standouts on big tech? Yeah, you know, we asked about more solutions, whether Congress should regulate them or Congress should uh, pursue antitrust or just leave it to the states. Hmm. Um, and, you know, around 40% of people uh, wanted antitrust, around 40% wanted regulation, only about uh, 6% wanted the states to handle it. So people want it's a... It's divided, huh? Yeah, they bit. want something to happen in Congress. They're not sure what, yeah. but something they want to happen. Interesting. Awesome. Well, I, I know this next issue, I think, is sort of tracking along with big tech, mm -hmm. um, where we have a large amount of people agreeing, which, again, I think it's important to point out, this is not a bunch of Republicans or right. conservatives agreeing with each other. Right. This, this is across the political spectrum, and this issue is China. What are we seeing with China? Yeah, so China is similar. Um, we see you know, bipartisan agreement and consensus that Congress has done a terrible job, first of all. Huh. Um, 64% disapprove of Congress's job on China. Um, they, you know, we've seen in other polls, they disapprove of Biden's response. Um, they believe 74% believe that China's military threat is a real threat to America. Yeah. Um, you know, these are huge numbers. 86% um, believe that China is in direct conflict with uh, Western values. You know, the mm. list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, people believe China is our number one international threat, and they believe Congress needs to do more about it. Wow. Yeah. Well, talk, talk just a little bit more about this, because as, as we continue to, um, I mean, we, we have been, especially here on Explains, we, we try and talk about China as much as possible because, uh, you know, Michelle and I believe that it is the probably the biggest issue that stands against America being great, both here domestically and throughout the world. What yeah. are some of those things? Do you think Americans are fully in tune with, you know, with the Confucius Institutes, you know, where they where they have a, um, a part of American college curriculum, right. basically. Right. And they're indoctrinating our students right. with pro-China propaganda. We've done episodes on Hollywood, right. basically writing their scripts with China in mind. Um, China is buying land all over America. Right. This is a huge issue. Now, are, are Americans... Um, hip to that, or is this basically what they're seeing just just through news reports and things like that? I think they're getting there. Um, I think people generally, you know, they may not know the details of Confucius Institutes, but <laughs> you know, they, they're not, uh, you know, they're they're smart people. They yeah. see what's happening. They see what's happening here with Confucius Institutes. You know, Hollywood censoring itself. Mm. Um, you know, China stealing intellectual property from American companies. Not to mention what's happening over there. I mean, you have genocide, you have prison camps, you have yeah. the worst human rights abuses we've seen in decades, um, and Americans get that. You know, DC may not get that. They they still don't understand that China is an existential threat. But mm. Americans, real Americans, totally get it. Yeah. Let's let's move on to inflation hitting us all in the pocketbook. You've been out to restaurants here in the DC area. It is not the same as it used to be in terms of the pocketbook. It's yeah. always been expensive, but now right. it's insane. Right. What, what, are, what are Americans uh, feeling and thinking about inflation? I mean, uh, inflation is the number one issue. And okay. this isn't just in our polling. It's in every poll you see. Inflation and the economy are the top issue. <laughs> Everybody's worried. Um, everybody understands it's happening. It's growing. You know, um, for months, the Biden administration was saying it's transitory, it's not real inflation, <laughs> it's just a comeback from COVID. 
Now they've shifted to, you know, this is a Putin price hike. Um, but of course, we saw before the invasion, 7.4% inflation. So uh, I think Americans get that that's ridiculous. Um, they are pretty divided on whether it's solely Biden's fault or if it's a supply chain issue. Um, of course, there's some truth to both of that. Um, you know, it's largely Biden's fault, but there's supply chain issues. Um, but we see in other polls, their disapproval of Biden on the issue of inflation, it's in the 60s or 70s. Hmm. Um, so, you know, again, the the story that we see is real Americans versus D.C. You know, D.C. doesn't think there's a problem. You see all these pieces from mainstream media about the economy is great. Why are yeah. people complaining? Um, and then people are, you know, people are having to pay five dollars for gas there or seven dollars if you're in California. Yeah. Um, Real Americans understand the economy is not doing great. It's a problem for them and their family. Imagine that. All you have to do is leave D.C. and you'll figure that <laughs> yeah, out exactly. very quickly. Right, right. <laughs> um, let's um, and of course we we all we all understand inflation. All we got to do is look at our bank account. Let's let's move on to an issue that I think has really um, changed over the last decade as we see millennials and Gen Z having a different opinion than the uh, preceding generations. That's abortion. Yeah. How how are we how are we um, seeing abortion poll? Uh, in terms of uh, perceptions by Americans. Yeah, abortion is an interesting issue because yeah. it's a very complex issue. It's not cut and dry. Um, something like China, you know, you're going to see uh, a lot of pretty straightforward opinions, but people have nuanced views of abortion. Um, they may not, sometimes they're intention. Um, but uh, what we see is on certain aspects of the abortion debate, there is broad consensus. Hmm. Um, asking about 15-week abortion um, limitations, you know, protecting unborn lives after 15 weeks, 65% of Americans believe that it is wrong to allow abortion after 15 weeks when unborn babies can suck their thumb and feel pain. Um, 65% uh, agree that hmm. we should protect unborn lives after that. Yeah. Only 26% disagree. This, and those who identify as strongly pro-choice are split 50-50 on this. Hmm. Um so there are nuances to this debate, but there's broad agreement um, that you know, when a child can feel pain, suck its thumbs, um, grow fingernails, uh, those lives should be protected. And the best part about um, as we continue to push just how horrible abortion is, especially when it gets later down the road, we have the technology now to back us up. Yeah. As science continues to improve we're able to see the fingernail. We're able yeah, to right. see the baby sucking a thumb. And I think yeah. that that might be where some of this movement is is coming from. I mean, yeah. it's it's really, really amazing to see, you know, the ultrasounds and things like that happen now yeah. and come to get more and more and more um, compelling and dynamic, the pictures that we see. Yeah. I mean, you know, my wife and I went in for our first ultrasound almost a year ago. Um, and my first thought was, this is incredible. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's our, our our son. My second thought was, how could anyone see this and think the abortion is okay? You know, you see your child moving around, um, you know, sucking its thumb. Uh, it just, I think it was eight weeks. Um, and it's unbelievable that anyone could conscience, you know, not only abortion at that stage, but abortion, you know, months later. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think again, Americans, especially the younger generations, are are hip to this. They're wisening up. I don't even think that's a word, but 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 as <laughs> make it a word, we're we're gonna make it a word. Yeah. Darn it! Yes, absolutely. Um, let's let's move from abortion onto immigration, and this yeah. is huge now with Title Forty Two happening. Um, the southern border, you know, um, um, border agents on horses, uh, all the stuff that we see in the media, which creates a narrative. Again, it's a DC narrative versus 
versus the rest of America? What are we seeing on immigration? Yeah. Um, you know, again, you're going to see Americans disapproving of what Congress has done on this. 64% same number as for China. 64% huh. disapprove. 52% strongly disapprove of the job they've done huh. on the border. Um, and what's more, you know, it's not just people um, blaming Democrats. They've actually recognized that Biden is the source um, and that the solution is going back to President Trump's immigration laws. 65% hmm. of independents, folks in the middle, say that President Biden needs to reinstate some of President Trump's previous immigration laws. Wow. These are things like the Remain in Mexico policy. Um, these are things like you know Title 42. It's common sense. This is the worst border crisis America has ever seen. Anyone paying attention knows that. And anyone paying attention knows that the root cause is in Washington. Hmm. And and again, that is across the political spectrum, 65%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is so compelling. Yeah. And yet we see it so polarized on TV. Right. Yeah, it's remarkable. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the numbers for, for all Americans are 61 to 15 saying President Biden should reinstate Trump's policies. You, wow. you have a majority of liberals saying that President Biden should reinstate some Trump policies, which is pretty incredible. Hmm. Do you, is there, was there? I'm curious. Was there a question that involved federal government responsibility versus state government responsibility? Was there, you know, in terms of enforcement? Yeah. Um, you know, if if the federal government is going to do it, should states? I'm curious. Yeah. Was there anything like that? Yeah. So what we've seen is, you know, people believe that states should be doing what they can on, on enforcement, you know, places like Texas, mm. but they shouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, we asked, yeah. um, is it the job of the federal government, not the states, to protect and control our, our borders? Um, is the current crisis of illegal immigration Biden's responsibility? Three quarters said yes. Three out of four Americans said yes, it is on the federal government. It is on President Biden. You know, uh, Governor Abbott is working at the border to secure it, doing what he can, but he shouldn't have to. Right. And Americans get that. Wow. It is on President Biden. Um, you know, he wanted this job, um, <laughs> and he can't get out of it. Wow. Let's move on to the last issue, yeah. election integrity. We've done a lot of coverage on that, HR1, HR4, HR Eternity, um, and, and Heritage Action has been you know, diamonds on yeah. this issue, especially yeah. in Georgia, oh, yeah. uh, around the country. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, you know, with 2020, the controversy there, now we have 2022 elections coming up and right around the corner yeah. is the next presidential election in 2024. What are we seeing with election integrity around the country? That is a great question. You know, uh, states across the nation have uh, strengthened their election integrity laws over the last two years, the last two state legislative sessions. Hmm. Um, Heritage Action has done a ton of work on that. Um, we have a whole Save Our Elections campaign, um, working in these states to help them um, strengthen and secure their election systems. We're seeing some real success. You know, states are moving right up on uh, Heritage's election integrity scorecard. Hmm. There's still more work to do. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is that Americans are seeing past the left's myths. You know, yeah. there's this there was this whole disinformation campaign last year. Stacey Abrams, Joe Biden uh, called the called Georgia's voter law. You know, Jim Crow 2.0. Um, they said that it was racist to require uh, photo IDs to vote. Um, but the American people see through that. You know, 79% yeah. say 
yeah, you should have a you should have to have a voter ID. Wait, eighty seventy nine percent of Americans say you should have a voter an ID to vote. Yes, seventy nine percent. That includes a majority of Hispanics, majority of Black voters, majority of old voters, young voters. Everybody gets it. Yeah, it's common sense. You know, yeah, you need an ID. We shouldn't be movie. surprised by that number. Right, by right. The way. No one should be surprised. Yeah, um, you need an ID to get into a movie, to fly on a plane, to everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It should sense. be 98%, but but right. still yeah, it's, yeah. it's compelling, you <laughs> right, know. Right. It's a, it, that's amazing. What else what else are we seeing? I mean, in terms of how about these how about these laws that are being proposed here in DC and debated HR1, HR4, you know, let's let's turn all um, election rules over to the Department of Justice, you know. <laughs> right. How are people viewing that? Uh, they don't like it. Um, <laughs> okay, great. They realize that these Wonderful. laws are giving more power to DC elites. They're yeah. giving more power to these unelected bureaucrats. They're taking power away from, you know, we the people, mm-hmm. taking it away from their states, away from their politically accountable representatives, giving it to lifelong D.C. bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. Um, 64% believe uh, that switching the U.S. election system from state run to federal run will create more corruption because the power will reside with D.C. elites. 64%. 64%. Yeah, only 26% wow. disagree. And Democrats are split. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable number. I mean, all of these categories are so the, – the term that everybody loves here in D.C. is bipartisan. Right, it's right. so just across the aisle. These are the things, you know, that we need to be fo- – we need to focus on bipartisanship. Right. It's an age of – you know, it's, it's, it's a dying age, right. a dying breed here in D.C. Right. And yet here's this polling with yeah. these critical issues right. that's reflecting bipartisanship. Yeah. If you want a bipartisan agenda, <laughs> then you take on China, you take on big tech. You fix the border and you require photo ID. That is a bipartisan popular agenda. Awesome. Well, Noah, thank you so much for coming in. It was just great to catch up and uh, go through these polls. Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. And thanks so much for listening to Heritage Explains. Now, there's a lot of material that we link to in the show notes, a lot of stuff that we covered in the episode. It's kind of like Christmas presents under a Christmas tree. You know, you got to unwrap to enjoy. So head to the show notes and start tearing off that wrapping paper. If you've got questions, we've got answers. Send us an email at managingeditor at heritage.org and we will respond. Look forward to seeing you next episode. Catch you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.